Welcome in to the Shop Management Show presented by AutoLeap. I'm your host, Will. This podcast will explore the experiences, challenges, and lessons learned of auto repair shop owners. We'll cover every topic imaginable from EVs to ADOS, right to repair, the technician shortage, and so much more. AutoLeap is an all-in-one cloud-based shop management software that allows shop owners to better run their business, increase efficiency, and grow revenue. You can find a link to schedule a free demo with AutoLeap in the show notes of this episode. Please like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thrilled to be joined today by Greg Marchin, Chief Operating Officer of Shop Pros. Greg and I will discuss an important topic for shop owners, strategies to create a winning shop culture. Greg, how are you? I'm awesome, Will. How are you, sir? I'm doing great as well. Thank you for joining me. Before we dive into our discussion, let's start with your background in the auto repair industry. How did you initially become involved and what led to your current role in the space? That's uh, that's a, a really interesting story. I'll, I'll try to super short for you. Um, but I, when I was back in high school, I was, I was college bound and, and life happened. I ended up owning an auto repair shop at 17 years old, not knowing anything about fixing cars, not knowing anything about running a business uh, and really knowing nothing about the automotive industry. I was the son of a, a scientist and a nurse. Um, and so I had, I was thrown into the, the auto repair shop world um, really young and with, with just no clue as to what was going on. Um, and, and that started my journey. Uh, I, I ran that shop. I, I leased a, a building, a very, very typical scenario. I, you know, I had two bays, two lifts, spend my days working, working with customers and, and calling on parts and my nights working on cars because I didn't have any other time. I had, I had no employees. I was a one-man show back then. Um, and then eventually my, my career led to a 15-year a stint with corporate Toyota, where I was a, a factory troubleshooter and a business development consultant, um, not at the same time, of course. Uh, but then in 2010, I, I left Toyota to start a training company. And originally, it was technical training when I discovered that there was a big, a big gap at that time in 2010 in the automotive industry in terms of advisor training, service advisor training. So we, we built a customer satisfaction program and a, a shop management program that we then began teaching in the, in the industry. So um, there aren't too many jobs I, I haven't done. I did have a dealership stint in there where I was a, both a technician and a service advisor. So I've got, I've got a technical background, I've got a service advisor background, and I've got a business ownership background. Um, and I just kind of wove all those together to do what I do today. It sounds like you've had a uh, very decorated career in the space. That'll be great in terms of the topic we're covering today, which is creating a winning shop culture. What does shop culture mean to you and why is it so important? Yeah, shop culture is is really, really critical. Shop culture is is how a how a business not only does business with its customers, but how they do business internally with their employee. And it's a it's a multifaceted thing, right? It's 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 hard to put your finger on. I I am often often fond of saying that every shop, every business really, but every shop is formed in the image of its owner, for better or worse, because we as business owners will will inflect our personality on the business. And and when I say that, what I mean is it's not just our personality, it's a it's a combination of of how comfortable we are hiring people, how how good we are at hiring people, really, how we can how we can filter through what is what is right and wrong with that person that's that's in front of us when we're hiring them. Because 
because culture is formed by every individual in the business. Yes, the owner will create that business in the image of themselves, but every person that we hire then contributes to what goes on within that business. And then at a, at a you know, maybe a, a slightly higher level, you've got the interactions between each uh, individual employee. We've got attitudes of employees, attitudes of, of owners, and these can be conscious and subconscious. You know, sometimes we have a we have an attitude about about the, the market or an attitude about the automotive space or an attitude about people in general that we don't mean to put it on somebody else. We don't mean to put it out there, um, but we do. And we don't generally think about how that might get absorbed by those around us. And so shop culture is a, is a way of doing business with customers as well as a way of doing business with each other internally. You touched on a little bit of the overall impact that even those subtle attitudes, you know, one way or another can have on the business overall. So how does shop culture affect the success of a business one way or another? And how can a strong team culture influence employee motivation and productivity? So I would su suggest that probably the biggest influence that shop culture has is on an individual employee and how they feel about going to work every day. Um, we, we spend most of our lives at work. And, and I tell people, don't think about that too much because we, we really don't want to think about that, right? But we do. We spend most of our lives at work. And if, if we're in a culture such that it is very contentious or very, very argumentative or, you know, we don't necessarily get along, we can just do business with each other, we may not want to go to work every day or we may not bring our best to work every day. And so if, if we have a, a shop culture that's, that's not everything it could be, then we're not going to do our best every day. And, and customers are going to see that, customers are going to feel that. The, our coworkers are going to feel that. They're, they're going to know that. And it's going to affect our interactions. It's going to affect our, our communication. It's going to affect how we answer the phone. Whereas if, if, you, have a, if you have a really positive shop culture, those, those businesses, those organizations that have a, a great shop culture, you can tell employees like we're working together. There are a lot of smiles that go around. You can hear it in the voices when they answer the phone. Customers feel that too. And, and those employees tend to get out of bed and, and maybe when it's, you know, 105 degrees in the middle of August and, and, and they're, you know, they're just, they're drained, they don't necessarily hate going to work. Um, and so culture significantly influences how we engage with customers and how customers view us as an organization, as well as influences the job that we do and, and whether we do our best or whether we just show up and, and just perform our duties and go home, it will affect shop growth. A, a service advisor, for instance, that, that isn't fully bought into what's going on. They're, they, you know, they're not fully engaged in the culture. Maybe the culture is a little bit negative. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be more worried about getting too busy. They're going to be more worried about getting the job done during the day than they are filling the schedule than they are encouraging technicians to get the work done. You see, I always say that nothing functions in isolation within an organization. And so if, if I'm not in a positive culture, if I feel drained when I go into an organization, I don't wanna do battle with my technician as a service advisor. I, I don't wanna encourage them to, to get the job done today instead of waiting until tomorrow morning to finish it. 
I don't want to, I, I don't feel like doing battle with them to get another oil change done so that they can get to the brake job. I just feel drained. And when I answer the phone when the next customer calls to schedule an appointment, you're going to hear it in my voice. And when that customer calls to schedule the appointment, maybe I don't look at tomorrow's schedule and see if I can fit them in. Maybe I say, how's next Thursday? Um, and what that does to the organization is because we sell time, we have a limited amount of time to produce work, to schedule customers. And it may not feel like a big deal to me to push that customer out to next Thursday because, hey, boss, I still got him scheduled. But instead of pushing them out to next Thursday, if I could have gotten that work done today, that leaves next Thursday open for more work. And I, as a uh, single employee, may not recognize that that adds up at the end of a month. And that certainly adds up at the end of a year. And as a coach, when I work with organizations, that's what we talk about. We talk about these little things that culture influences, these little things that just having a, a technician give us an extra hour of production time a day or scheduling one more car today, what that adds up to. Every, an interesting statistic, and I say statistic, you can, you can run the math on this yourself, um, but every half an hour increase in average labor time, just labor time on a repair order, can equate to $200,000 a year in additional revenue, depending on, on what your labor rate is and, and what your car count is, et cetera. But, but the reality is, no matter how you do the math, just a half an hour labor on each repair order, whether it gets sold or gets produced, is almost a quarter of a million dollars a year. So, so that means something to a shop. So if shop culture is such that we don't want to push for that additional half hour, whether I'm a service advisor or a technician or really anybody else, just somebody at reception is answering the phone and scheduling work, we're costing ourselves hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in revenue and in lost revenue, revenue that we don't realize we lost. Um, but if you switch, if you change that culture, if you switch things around, uh, it's found money because you don't really have to work that much harder to gain a quarter of a million dollars in, in revenue. So culture has, has interesting effects on, on both the financial aspects of the business, on, on employee relationships, and on customer satisfaction. Very interesting perspective. To that end, you know, when you're advising shop owners on this issue, how would you go about identifying even these minor inconsistencies in shop culture and addressing them to create a, you know, more unified shop where everyone is on the same page and, you know, generating that, that revenue potential you're getting after. Yeah, that, that's a, a really, really good question, Will. And, and that's probably everybody's favorite question right now. There is no single answer to this, unfortunately. Shop culture and, and, and human relationships as you know, are really complex. And, and when I say that, sometimes, sometimes it is a shop culture issue. Sometimes it's a relationship issue within the shop that creates that shop culture. And so there's, there's, no, there's no one single answer. I'll, I'll, use, a, I'll use an example from a, a current coaching client right now. Um, he's a, a, a small shop. He's got three technicians, one service advisor. And and does roughly a, a million and a half dollars a year in, in revenue. And his culture challenge is that he's got a, a very high producing technician that would like to think he owned the shop. 
and, and acts like a shop owner. And so if a service advisor takes a day off, his comment is, well, I'm going to take the day off too. Um, and and how this transpired is when you start small, and, and look, I, I started there too, right? I was a, a single employee. I didn't have any, any employees at all. And you start to hire that first one. And it's just, it's just two of you, or maybe it's just three of you, or maybe even it's just four of you. And you're kind of friends at work. And those friendships can affect the culture of the business. And, and maybe it works when you're small. But what happens as you start to grow and you become four, five, six employees is now the owner has to be a true manager. Now the owner can't, there's no room to, for a friendship anymore. Um, but the culture has been established and we're all kind of friends here and we all answer the phone and we all, we all maybe work on cars or maybe we all think we're going to handle customers every, every morning. We're going to, we're going to, you know, write up repair orders and you have a culture that's not so business-like. So how do you fix it? Well, at that point, it's a real challenge, right? Because you're going to, you're going to destroy relationships when you try to fix it. And that's what this gentleman is, is going through right now. And so what we've talked about is, is look, you, you, can't, you can't necessarily do anything about the culture you have, but you're also not going to keep these employees forever. The good employees come and go all the time. And so what you have to be very careful of when you hire the next employee is setting a tone. You, you, want a, you always want an employee handbook with all your policies and procedures, your vacation policies, your time off policies, your requests for vacation policies, uh, whether we have pets at work or not, uh, smoking policies, all of these little things you can address one employee at a time as you hire. And, and once you have a shop culture, you know, I get asked all the time, how do you change it? Well, to me, you change it one employee at a time, one new hire at a time. Can you address overall policies? You can. It, just understand that change is hard for people, right? There's a there's a, a significant challenge to change. And when uh, three employees that you've had for the last 15 years have done it one way, and you come out and you say to them, listen, here's a new way of doing it. Here's what we're going to do. They're going to push back. You, you can expect significant pushback because none of us like change. Um, can you work your way through that? Yes, you can. I encourage everybody to go get a coach if that's what you're going to do because you are going to need a sounding board more than anything, because all of a sudden your employees cannot be your sounding board. When you're a, when you're a shop manager or a shop owner, I recommend you are not connected on social media with any of your employees. Uh, I recommend that you do not spend social time with your employees outside of work. If you wanna have social events associated with the, with the shop, great, please go do it. Team building events are wonderful. Barbecues in the summertime are wonderful. It's awesome in building a team. But you have to avoid any sense of the boss is hanging out with so-and-so, the boss favors so-and-so, because that will reinforce the culture that you already have. And so, and so when you've started out small and you've built this culture, now all of a sudden you need to break away from that culture and form a new culture, it is very challenging. So again, I recommend you go get a coach if, if that's what you're doing, because Every shop has done this will tell you, I need the sounding board. I need somebody who is a neutral party that I can talk to about this, that can set me straight when I get angry or just listen to me when I'm really frustrated. Changing culture is one of the hardest things to do. Now, 
If you're a small shop and you were growing, that advice still holds true. Remember, culture is formed one employee at a time. You can build your culture. You can influence your culture by hiring each employee in a very specific way, onboarding them in a very specific way, and paying attention to, to policies and procedures and enforcing those fairly. We get desperate is what happens with a, with a shop. We get desperate to hire employees, right? We lose a technician. We lose two technicians. Oh, my goodness. Production is down. I'm losing revenue. It's so hard to hire somebody today. And we're looking for a warm body. And the problem with just getting a warm body is you may hire somebody that has an attitude. Um, and I saw that with, a, with another client recently. They hire a gentleman, fairly productive, decent at diagnostics. They didn't have anybody like this. They really needed him. Wow, did he have an attitude. And he brought the entire shop down uh, to the point where the owner had enough and has finally fired the gentleman. And so you've got to avoid desperation. And, and one way of avoiding desperation and ensuring the culture of your shop stays positive or stays where you want it to be is to, what I say, always be hiring. When it comes to shop marketing, we tell shops market all the time because if you stop marketing, there's this huge lag time in getting marketing going again and your car count will suffer and you'll be on this car count roller coaster, right? Well, I say the same thing about hiring. If you want to maintain shop culture, you've got to avoid being desperate and avoid, and avoid feeling like you have to hire the next person through the door no matter what. And to do that, you've always got to be looking for technicians looking for service advice. Now, I'll tell you, well, the first pushback I get there is, yeah, but Greg, what if my employees discover I'm doing it? So what? What I say to the employee is, listen, number one, just like we market all the time, even when we're busy, we're still marketing because that keeps our car count high when, when the industry typically slows down. I am always going to be looking for the best people because, hey, Will, you want to work, work with the best people, don't you? And, and, you know, I have to, as a business owner, face the reality that good people come and go. You know, somebody's wife could get a job in another city and they're going to move with them. Or, or heaven forbid, somebody should get hurt or get sick or, you know, decide on a career change. I don't, as a business owner, I never know when that's going to happen. And so if I just wait until we need somebody, then I'm leaving it up to fate that I'm looking for somebody when somebody really good is looking for a job. So instead, I made the decision to look for somebody all the time. And look, maybe we can't take them on, but I at least know they exist and I know how to get a hold of them. And, and if we ever need anybody, Will, we can call this person and say, hey, I don't know if you're happy at your current job or not, but just letting you know we have an opening again. We seem to have a good rapport. You know, give me a call if, if, if it's something that, that you're interested in. And so when you're always hiring, you build a, to use a really old school term, Rolodex, you, you build your contact list, right? Um, and it, it avoids the desperation that then can really dramatically affect our culture. Um, you know, the, the other thing that you can do to affect culture, when people are busy and people are feeling productive, uh, they tend to feel good about themselves. They, they tend to feel like they're making progress uh, when they're making their paycheck, when they see their paycheck grow because of, of the work that they do every day, they tend to feel really good about it. So keep that marketing going. Keep the, keep the shop busy. Talk to the service department, the service counter about, about scheduling customers. Uh, you know, I, I've got a formula I use for how many customers that we schedule every single day so that it's not 100%, but we know how many customers 
we should be having to keep things busy. Uh, and so there's a lot of little things that you can do uh, to, to build culture and, and keep culture going in the, in the direction that, that you want it to go in. We'll be back next week with part two of our conversation with Greg on strategies to create a winning shop culture.